grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome to Christian Education Sunday. Today we thank God for his word and the ears and the eyes and the brains we have been given to hear it and learn it. It is so important God wants us to pass on his teaching, the faith, to our children. A couple of weeks ago, if you were in church, we heard God command the people of Israel to teach his will to their children and to their children's children. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle going on and the word of God helps defend us against the attacks of the evil one. Last week in church, we heard about a woman who begged Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter, and he did. This week we hear how a father brought his only son, troubled by a demon, to the disciples, but they could not cast it out. But Jesus did. And next week, we will hear how Jesus put a child on his lap and taught the disciples how valuable these little ones are. Do you think that the Gospels are teaching us something? I do. There's a spiritual battle going on for our children because we live in a faithless and perverted generation Who's going to teach them the truth? We are. We're going to bring them to the Lord. And we are going to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we are going to pray for them. This is an absolutely heart-wrenching story. Maybe we get a little too accustomed to reading or hearing the Bible. Oh, that's a nice story. I can't. When I read or hear a story like this, it grips me. When I read the Bible and know that God wants to teach me something very, very important. This story is yelling at me. And I want to show you something. It yelled at someone else a long time ago. His name was Raphael, great master painter. This was his last work. And it's about this story. You see, this story happens right after the transfiguration, depicted there. But look at what's happening in the bottom half of that picture. We see Jesus in glory in the top half, and we see the mess that is happening below, where people are arguing about a young boy and why they can't cast the demon out of this young boy. You can see him depicted there in the picture. When Jesus got down from the mountain, there was a father with a young boy who was attacked, troubled by a demon, and was suffering in great misery. Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now let me give you a bit of cultural understanding of what's going on here. In that day, as in our day, children were highly treasured, greatly valued among the people of God. The people of God who believed the Bible, they read the Bible, 
and they read that children were a blessing from God. So God's people aspired to marry and to have children, and lots of children if they could. The Bible clearly teaches the value of children made in the image of God. Alongside this spiritual reason why they would want to have children, there was also a very practical reason. The majority of people lived in very small towns, most towns that Jesus traveled to. And in that day, being a rural society, rural, most people made their living by fishing, farming, herding. And so the more children you had, the better, because it was more hands to help the family earn a living. It's exactly the opposite of today. The closer you get to a city, less people get married, less people have children, and children are very seen as very expensive, a drain on the budget, if you will, or lifestyle. They're not a financial contribution to the family. Very different times. And here was one of the problems. The infant mortality rate was very, very high back then. Only about half of children lived to see their fifth birthday. They oftentimes wouldn't even name a child until the child was a week old because so many children died during the first week. Less than 40% of people who were born would actually live to see age 20. So, if you can imagine this, if you wanted to have two adult children, you know, to replace yourself, you would need to birth five children and bury three of them. And so it was a very difficult day in which to have children. Oh, how precious is a child. Furthermore, in addition to the spiritual and the financial was the issue of legacy. The Bible's filled with genealogies, Genesis, Chronicles, you can read all about them, because there is hope from one generation to the next. God's people have children who love and serve God, and that legacy continues. That's why even in our own day, people have last names, like Jackson, Anderson, Colson, Ellison. Why? Because it's Eli's son, it's Cole's son, it's Anders' son, it's Jack's son. There's something of the lineage and legacy carried on with the family name. And so children were important for a whole bunch of reasons, and sons in particular were valuable, valuable because there wasn't any old age security. There wasn't retirement as we know it, no such thing as pensions. There wasn't universal health care, home care, nursing homes. Instead of all that, you had a son. And when your son was little, you'd look after him and change his diaper. And when you were old, he would return the favor. And that's how it worked. There were lots of reasons to have children. And that leads us to this story. Jesus comes down the mountain after being revealed as God of glory. And to him comes a father, a desperate father, who says something that is absolutely terrifying. This according to the Gospel of Luke account. Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, 
for he is my only child. We don't know if they had other children and they've died. We don't know that. We don't know if the man's married, widowed, or divorced. We don't know if they struggled with infertility. All we know is here's a man who has one child, a son, and everything's riding on this boy. This son is all he has. And behold, a spirit, a demon, an unclean, unholy, unhelpful spirit seizes him and robs him of speech, throws him to the ground, foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. The language here is of a young boy, not an infant or a toddler, but maybe someone in elementary school. So think about a boy who's in elementary school and this boy has a horrible condition. He's being physically attacked by an unclean spirit. And if you forget ever, anything else I'll tell you today, remember this. God is good. Satan is bad. I know it sounds simple, but what's troubling is some people get confused about that because of Eastern religion and pantheism and panatheism where God is good and evil all rolled into one. That is a faithless and perverse generation according to the Bible. The Bible says God is good, Satan is evil. God is only always altogether good, Satan is only always altogether bad. We've already talked about that conflict a couple weeks ago. If you missed it, you can catch it on the podcast from a couple weeks ago on spiritual warfare. Now, for those of you daddies or granddaddies, imagine this is your son or your grandson. This story, by the way, occurs in Matthew 17, Luke 9, and Mark 9. I don't know if that means anything, but I think it's a hint that maybe God wants me to remember this story. Remember what happened just before this story. Jesus is transfigured, and a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. I rest my case. God wants to teach us. Are you listening? Now, if you're a parent, imagine this. Imagine a boy who has this, the equivalent of epileptic seizures, who's overtaken by a demon, whose body is ravaged and racked. This is a little boy covered in burn marks and scars and scabs. Why? Because he keeps getting thrown into the fire and the water. You have no idea when this demon might attack and harm him, and occasionally it renders him mute. That means he won't scream or cry for help if he's burning or drowning. Parents, this is your worst nightmare. I'm speculating, but I can see this dad, fearful to go to work in case his son might die in his absence. I can see this dad literally pulling his son from water and from fire and holding on to his son, crying and praying as his son shakes violently and is being terribly troubled. 
I can see, I can tell you he probably slept at the foot of his son's bed just to be there in case in the middle of the night something happened to his son. I only know a little of what the father is going through. When my only son was two years old, he broke his leg, his femur. He was in traction for two weeks. I spent every night in the hospital with him. And every 15 minutes, like clockwork, his muscles would spasm and he would let out a blood-curdling cry and I could do absolutely nothing. It was awful. I was helpless as I watched my son, my only son, my flesh and blood in agonizing pain. I can't imagine what this father and son had to endure. Jesus asks, how long has he been like this since infancy? This has been his whole life. It's always been like this. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, he's my only son. Please help him. The truth is that some people do have physical, emotional, chemical, hormonal troubles. And sometimes they just can't be explained by anything. And it's demonic. God is good. Satan is evil. Don't forget that because what will happen is when you are suffering or someone you love is suffering, Satan will whisper in your ear and say, God has done this to you. God has done this to your loved one. Faithless and perverse generation. The truth is, when God was done with his work creating everything, he said that everything was very good, and it was. Was there suffering? No. Was there sickness? No. Was there death? No. Satan arrives, lies to, tempts our first parents. They participate with him in the rebellion against God, and sin, sickness, suffering, and death come into our world. God is good. Satan is evil. And please don't let some bad theology confuse you on that. Sometimes Christians who are suffering ask, why does God do this? My answer is, God's not evil. Satan is. God is good. If something evil is happening, that's not God. Now, God in his sovereignty can use everything for his good, including something really, really bad. He used something horrible as the betrayal and beating and murder of his innocent son Jesus to atone for the sins of the world. We remember that every Good Friday. So God is ultimately in control. And God does work out things for good. But that doesn't mean that everything, every little detail happens exactly the way God wants it. Because there is sin and folly and rebellion in the world. God's not in heaven, for example, saying, Hmm, I want that little boy beaten. And that kid demonically tormented. And let's see who I can afflict with cancer today. That is false doctrine and false teaching. And don't you buy into it. 
in this twisted and perverse generation. That's not our God. Our God is grieved at sin. He's angered by sin. He comes to take away sin, to crush Satan who instigates sin and who brings suffering. God is making all things good again. Stick around till the end and I guarantee you will see it. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about the spiritual battle we're in. And when I read a story like this, I really get angry at Satan, and so should you. Because he sends a demon to attack a little boy. That should get your goat. Last week, it was a little girl. I'm not going to sit idly by and stand on the sidelines and argue theology while we watch the devil have his way with our children and frankly neither should you God gave us his word the sword of the spirit along with all the rest of the armor of God he gave to his church and we need to use it to be ready to be diligent the work of the church is so important who else is going to combat evil in this faithless and perverse generation. Who? Tell me, please. Satan cannot be defeated apart from Jesus. Religions won't cast out a demon. Morality, spirituality, medication, counseling cannot, won't deal with a demon. None of those things have authority, spiritually speaking, over a demon. Only Jesus does because he is also creator and demons are created beings. The Father says, and I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they couldn't. And Jesus answered, Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Satan attacks people. There's fear and pain and suffering. So what do you do? And see, it looks here as if up until this point, it appears as if God has failed. God has not failed this little boy. The faithless and perverse generation has failed him. And the father is part of that generation. I say that not to be cruel or criticize the father, but to give heed to all the fathers and mothers. Are you going to stand up and believe what you were taught, or are you going to succumb to the false teachings of this generation? So Jesus is the creator God. Demons are created beings, and they're under his authority. And for the Christian who belongs to Jesus, we can pray to the Creator and Savior Jesus, the God of glory, bring the boy to me. Now there is so much I love to look at with you in this story. The faltering faith of the Father, the inability of the disciples to use the power Jesus gave them to heal the sick and cast out demons. But here's the big deal. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to bring our children to him.
in prayer. He wants us to bring our children to him to learn of him. He wants us to bring everything to him in prayer, like we're doing today. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about spiritual warfare and the armor of God? Remember how that passage ended? Ephesians chapter 6. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I want you to see what happens in this faithless and twisted generation is sometimes we don't even talk to Jesus until we've made a mess of everything. And maybe that's what's happened here. The boy is suffering, everything's a mess. Oh, I guess now is the time to talk to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you know, we call it prayer. You should have talked to me before you made a mess of everything. And see, that is the way that we as disciples oftentimes work. We live out our life, autopilot, and then things start to fall apart, and we wonder if God is good, and then we talk to him as a last resort. Well, let me tell you, God is good, and we should talk to him as a first priority about everything. So what is the hope? The hope's not in the Father or his faith. The hope is not in the disciples. The hope is certainly not in the faithless and perverse generation. And the hope, then, must be in Jesus. And there we learn that Jesus suffered to defeat Satan, forgive sin, and end suffering. It's all about Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you a few thought-provoking questions questions that came into my mind as I was reading this story for my learning. Number one, do you have faith in Jesus? Are you part of the faithless generation? Answer probably to both of those is yes. But how is your faith? The father had faith, but Hmm. Does it need a little work? The father was not sure that Jesus was able to help. He said, if you can. It is often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Beautiful. Number two, how's your prayer life? Are you talking to Jesus before it all goes bad? You can tell the health of a relationship by looking at the communication between the two parties. How often do you pray? Now what I love about Jesus is we talk to him after it's all gone bad, and he still helps and serves us. That's amazing because that's our God. He's absolutely amazing.
That's his grace. At the base of the mountain, Jesus didn't come down. He was annoyed at his disciples, for sure, but he didn't come and have a job fair saying, you know, these disciples are kind of defective. I'm accepting applications for new disciples. He doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't give up on his disciples. And you know what? Jesus doesn't give up on you. This, this Jesus, this is the God who says, yeah, you might have wasted some years and maybe didn't listen to me. And maybe you didn't pray very much. And it's kind of frustrating and annoying because that's what I would have really liked for your life. But I'm still here and I love you. And as long as you're breathing, I'm going to help. I'm going to help you be who I meant you to be. I'm going to help you with your life. I love that our Jesus is like that. People give up on him, but he doesn't give up on them. So how is your faith? How is your prayer life? Are you talking to Jesus? And how's your listening? Are you reading the Bible? Are you listening to the scriptures? Bible teaching, good counsel, maybe the sermons? Are you listening to the one who wants to teach you so you can combat the evil that is in your life? And finally, are you aware of the reality of spiritual warfare and the work of demons in the world? Are you aware of it? I think one of the reasons that the writers of the gospel keep telling us story after story, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these power encounters between Jesus and demons, it's to show us that Satan is alive and well and demons are at work in the world, but much more subtly today. But Jesus overcomes them. See, we can't be oblivious and blind to the temptations of the devil in our life today. The lies, the accusations, the vain regrets, the terrors, the deception, the false beliefs. Take everything, please, to God in prayer. Take absolutely everything. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray, deliver us from evil, from Satan, demons, their works and effects. We believe the scriptures that Satan is a liar and a deceiver and a murderer. We ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us, lead us, and guide us and protect us. Jesus, please help us in our unbelief. Please teach us to pray. And when we fail to pray and we suffer, God, teach us to be humble, to pray even more, knowing that you will still help because you are so good. We thank, we thank you. And we pray for all parents and grandparents. Help us to bring our children to you. Give us the faith we need to help them through this life. And please forgive us when we fail. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness and give us new life. Just like you gave new life to the little boy in our Bible reading. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.